Good evening. It's 907 at WPTF Radio, AM 680 and FM 98.5. It is Tuesday night, and I didn't know what date it was. It is June the 8th in the year 2021, and I'm Tom Kearney. I'm here every night, Monday through Friday from 9 to 10, with a little bit of live and in real-time radio, and we try to keep you up with things as they go along. We try to bring you uh, topics to uh, listen to and discuss that are... Uh, Entertaining and edifying, as I am inclined. I love to use the word edifying. I'm told that you can say that on the radio. And tonight's uh, guest is uh, a gentleman who has been uh, a guest of ours periodically over the last probably eight, nine, ten years. I'm just sad that I didn't didn't get hooked up with him a little bit earlier because I always enjoy when he comes. He's an old-time radio announcer, among other things. Uh, and he's from Missouri, though he, and I love to quote him on this, says he got here as soon as he could, Mr. Joe Newberry. Mr. Newberry, distinguished musician that you are, how are you this evening? I'm doing well, Mr. Kearney, I'm doing well. Um, and uh, you are right, I, I got here from Missouri as quickly as I could. The old joke is you can always tell somebody from Missouri, you can't tell them much, but you can always tell somebody from Missouri. <laughs> Well, I always think of you, you know, I mentioned that we might spend a minute or two tonight, and we, we won't do it at the beginning, talking about a, a radio station in Wheeling, West Virginia, but I always think of KWTO, I think it's the right call letters, which is maybe the station that you listened to sometimes when you were a kid. And, uh, yeah, that, like, and my, my father used to work at KWTO, as did my uncle, and he crossed paths, my uncle Ruben crossed paths with um, uh, Chet. Chet. With, um, um, uh, Chet. Uh, I, I knew who you mean. I was just going to see. I was going to let um, you go out I love Ray Stevens' uh, uh, record, Guitar Zan, where he's talking about taking the guitar. Give him a hand. Yeah, That's he's, right. he's taking the course. KWTO stood for Keep Watching the Ozarks. And we still are. And. Well, in the time that we have been watching them, a little place called Branson has popped up out there. My sister likes to go to Branson, so uh, and uh, and, she, and the Grand Ole Opry, as a matter of fact. And not that she goes very often, but if she happens to be passing by, she usually stops. So that's a good sign. Well, you know, Branson used to be the place where we would stop and get snacks on the way to the lake. There was Silver Dollar City, and I think there was one theater there. I think there was Presley's Mountain Music, and that was it. And then when uh, when the uh, late 70s and early 80s rolled around, uh, it was a migration from Nashville for a lot of players. And there, there were a ton of uh, shows up and down the main drag there in Branson, all sorts of music theaters. And uh, it, uh, you know, the, the thing about Branson is um, that when you go to Branson, it's better now, but it used to be, that they had all these tourists come in, but they didn't have the infrastructure. You know, it would take an hour to go get a loaf of bread because of the traffic. Right. Um, better now. It's better now. Right. Right. Well, you know, when you get to be of age, you you, you meditate on, on the world, and and this is true. I recently thought how lucky I have been to have been alive in the time that I have been alive. Uh, there may be better times, but I don't think there's been a better time for this. And the 50s and 60s and the music, and I, 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 when I was just a little kid, I'd sit there by the radio and listen to uh, 
Les Paul and Mary Ford sing about being on Mockingbird Hill and Pearl Lives, Jimmy Crack Corn, and I Don't Care. And we slipped into That's Hank right. Williams and Elvis Presley. And 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 I, the, the, you don't hear much of the group that I really like these days, but I just thought the platters were the most wonderful thing that ever happened. But the before we came on the air, yeah, before we came on the air, I asked our producer, and you 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 talked to John sometime if he knew who Joan Baez was. And he said he did, and I believe he probably did. But, you know, uh, there was a time when, uh, I'm a little older than you, but she she was more out front than she is now. She's been out front on a lot of fronts along the way. And, That's right. And so on. Uh, and she was honored. At the, each year, the Kennedy Center honors five distinguished Americans, usually entertainment people. I guess it may have to be entertainment people. But the ones they honored this year were Debbie Allen, uh, the dancer, I think, uh, and yeah. uh, Madori, who's a, a lady violinist, I think. You would know more about her than I would. Fantastic and talent. It was just wonderful. And Dick Van Dyke and uh, Garth Brooks and Joan Baez. And it was just, just I, I usually don't watch the thing. Sometimes I watch it you know, later. But I sat, I sat there sort of watching it last night to see how they, how they were going to honor these people. because they're, they're I, I, I do the same usually, too, Tom. I usually um, will catch it on YouTube later. But I watched the whole broadcast live, and I was struck by a couple of things. I was struck by the amazing range of talent. And, uh, and although Dick Van Dyke has not been doing as much, um, his, his early body of work was unbelievable, but still... To be 95 and to be as limber and as sharp as he is, that's an amazing thing. And then Midori, um, not only an incredible, uh, she was a prodigy uh, as a violinist, but to to do her the amount of philanthropic work that she does is unbelievable. Debbie Allen actually um, um, has been, you know, she's she's been dancing her whole life and. Um, uh, and also directing, uh, and an amazing talent. And Garth Brooks is, you know, Garth Brooks is Garth Brooks. He's, he's yeah, well, what else can you say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, uh, and to, to watch Garth Brooks sit there and listen to his hero, James Taylor, sing to him, sing one of his songs, that was, that was a, a really special moment. And then to have Joan Baez be honored, um, because you're right. If there was a if there was a cause, she would show up for it, and she she lives her beliefs, and that that's admirable, very admirable. And then there's a North Carolina connection that happened the other night, and that is that um, uh, Joan Baez, her her touring musician for the last 15 years, uh, is a fellow named Dirk Powell, wonderful musician, and Dirk played with our friend Rhiannon Giddens um, to honor Joan Baez on that show. And it what a, a beautiful job they both did. So, yeah, I love the Kennedy Center. The other thing is to, to watch the producers of the show deal with restricted attendance and smaller groups. They used the area around the Kennedy Center for a lot of the pro production and taping. And then also they they had an outdoor stage set up, so uh, with a lower audience count, but it it allowed everybody to sit and listen to the performances. It was pretty pretty amazing show, I I think. 
I, I, I like it. It seems very comfortable the way they, they hit a range. One reason I used to watch it, since you brought the North Carolina Connection up for many years until he retired almost completely from broadcasting, my, my countryman, my townsperson from Goldsboro, Mr. Carl Castle, was the announcer on that show. Uh, he right. was the, the guy that did the news, you know, on NPR every morning for like 30 years. Yeah, and every he was, morning. And, and anybody can, I mean, the, the, anybody can be summed up to be on that program. The, the When I finally decided I wasn't going to get up and leave was when Mary Chapin Carpenter and my favorite lady singer, Emily Harris, sang a tribute to Joan Baez. And it was, that was a pretty great moment. <laughs> well, I just think uh, it's like those million-dollar quartets they used to have on Hee Haw. You just wonder. You kind of, it's like when they had the when Dolly and Emmy Lou and uh, oh, what's her name were were, Linda, were Linda Rodstad were a trio. I mean, that's pretty high-class talent you got right there. Any one of them would would be worth the, the visit. But I read did a little research, and I'm just hating the idea that young people would not know who Joan Joan Baez was and. And that she wasn't just a folk singer, but she was a folk singer. But she hooked up with—I uh, don't know if they—I don't think they ever got married. I'm sure they didn't. Don't uh, with who uh, who help me just uh, uh, Dylan with Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan for, that's right. for a while. And uh, and also she had a relationship. I think they were just friends with Steve Jobs. Now that's interesting, isn't it? That uh, that that's a that's a wide circle of friends. Uh, and I'll tell you the other person that she. She um, worked with and and helped support musically is the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And actually, Joan Baez um, was sang "We Shall Overcome" at the uh, 1963 uh, March on Washington. Right. In fact, uh, there's a clip on uh, YouTube you can see, and they showed it. They showed it on the the uh, yes the. Uh, the uh, uh, program last night, but there's a clip on YouTube you can see that. And when you're singing for a million people out there in front of the Lincoln Memorial, that's pretty good. And, uh, uh, yeah. But uh, in any event, uh, Joan Baez uh, uh, was, uh, you know, there used to be a format of music, the music of your life. She certainly, if if I composed the music of my life, she would be in it because when this, when she was hot, if you can say it that way, that that the business, you know, of, of folk music faded back in uh, with uh, the Kingston Trio. I, as I remember, they they did Tom Dooley, and it started making it popular. And for about 15 years, a lot of the music uh, was folk music, and a lot of it was politi- politically incited. And, and she was certainly one, one out of the front of that. And, oh, and, absolutely. And Dylan showed up, and my brother asked me one time, he said, Tom, you're older than I am. Explain Bob Dylan to me. And I said, oh, I can't do that. Uh, just, so just go listen to it. I, I don't don't have that. Well, thank you for talking with me a, a moment or two about that show. That, but I just, uh, of course, yeah. I, I have a question for you. Okay. Um, when when you um, started listening, when you were listening to those radio shows and and radio just radio broadcasts in the fifties, would you would you hear the Weavers? Um, Did you listen to the Weavers, and uh, or was it more toward the folk era when you started hearing folk music? I, when I heard the Weavers was when I was really young, when I was like before 1950, because you know they got blacklisted and right. uh, and uh, sort of disappeared. But uh, on top of Old Smokey and uh, 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 Rye Whiskey, I and, Good Night, 
Irene Goodnight, yes. Those were the ones that I remember hearing. and they were, But I didn't understand the significance of any of, of, of what they were involved in politically. But, of course, uh, it, it, uh, I'm not doing any good on the nights. The, the statin drugs have totally blocked out my night, my names tonight. But um, <laughs> That's the guy I with the time, you just... You just just like you hear the, the guy, well, you know the guy with the banjo that was a member of the. Oh, Pete, uh, Pete Seeger. Pete Seeger, yeah. He, he, uh, I, I watched part of the tribute to him, and that was sort of led by the boss, you know, at Madison Square Garden on his 90th birthday, and that, it's just to see the talent roll out there to pay tribute to him was just absolutely wonderful. Did he compose "We Shall Overcome"? Or do you he know? did not. He he composed one of the verses. Okay. But it was uh, it was a, a, a song from the African American tradition, but he he um, he wrote one of the verses um, that that got picked up, and everybody would. I can't remember which verse it was. Um, it it might be "We Shall Live in Peace," but but I I, I, I I'm not sure. But I I do know that he he um, helped popularize it, just like the the Kingston Trio helped popularize. Um, Tom Dooley, but it had, that song had been sung for a hundred years before. Um, and it's uh, in North Carolina, in, in Western North Carolina. That's right. Um, and I don't know if I ever told you or not, Tom, but my, you know, I I've sung my whole life, and I wrote my first song at age five, and it was a blatant ripoff of the Kingston Trio. It was called "Hang Down Your Head, Bugs Bunny." Well, now you just mentioned two of my favorite things: the Kingston Trio and Bugs Bunny. So you, you've scored, and you know what? I'm having so much fun. I when you come, I get into trouble. Sometimes John chastises me when the program's over, and he says, "Tom, you and Joe have fun, but you got to remember we not we have to take our breaks, and we do. Ah. And so when we come back, uh, we'll just. The other thing is we we can walk all over anywhere, uh, and uh, we can we can do. We can start walking again right after we take this break. Joe Newberry, musician, and and that that settles it because uh, one of the things that he used to do to be on our program was he used to be the uh, public relations person for the North Carolina Symphony, and that meant he knew a little bit about uh, about classical music too. I think he knows a little bit about all kinds of music, but he. Comes in and we have nice conversations and we're having one tonight and we will back we will be back right after this. Good conversation. Joe, you ask about the Weavers. I I used to hear the Weavers and Les Paul and Mary Ford and and and, and the songs that we named off. You know, Good Night Irene and uh, Rye Whiskey, Rye Whiskey. Uh, I think Tex Ritter sang that song. As a matter of fact, and uh, yeah, but, yes, uh, he did. The radio station, our sister station, WGBR in Goldsboro, was was the kind of station you could hear um, Teresa Brewer followed by Hank Williams followed by the Weavers. So uh, it was just you know what we weren't into niche broadcasting yet then. Let me ask you a question about something that I think you will know about: Is the bluegrass thing signed up to come back to Raleigh? It is. As a matter of fact, um, they have just announced that um, the the International Bluegrass Music Association, or as we call it, IBMA. IBMA Worlds of Bluegrass is going to be in Raleigh for the next um, three years. It'll, uh, the, the contract has been extended through 2024. Um, oh, and um, it's, uh, 
they're 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 trying to work on um, it's it's going to be a five day event in late September uh, September twenty eighth to October second. It's going to resume as a mostly in person event. There will be a virtual component, and they'll also be doing some adjustments to um, to follow um, you know ongoing health and safety guidelines. But but uh, it's going to be it's going to be a, a, a great gathering, and uh, I know that. There are things, uh, uh, gatherings, and festivals that are starting back up. Um, Mount Airy in Surrey County just had their um, their fiddlers convention last weekend, and and uh, folks uh, that who I know uh, who went said it was a great time. It was great to see folks, and and little by little we're getting back out there. Is that connected, or any, and there are two questions I want to ask, and I'm going to separate them because they're about different things, but is the Mount Airy thing connected? I can remember I used to have a friend that he disappeared about this time of year, and he went to Union Grove, uh, and uh, I believe that's where he went to, a Fiddler's Convention, and he said, you know, people would be sitting out on the hoods of cars jamming, you know, somebody walked by with a banjo, and they just start playing right there, you know. That's it. It's uh, two two separate uh, two separate organizations and and uh, and uh, events, but uh, they're similar in that it's just as you described. It's folks coming from all over, sometimes all over the country and all over the world to get together and make music and uh, see old friends and meet new friends. Another thing is uh, that Mayberry Day is the celebration of the Andy Griffith Show and, and its extensions takes place usually about the same time that you just described uh, as when the uh, uh, the progress thing is going to take place here. I think it's the week before. It's like the third week in September. It, it hasn't fallen on the same weekend so far that I'm aware right. of. Right. Right. I, th- I think they, I think they uh, keep it separated out a little bit. Now, this year is going to be a very full fall, um, and that is because... The organizers of Merlefest, the annual festival that honors Doc Watson's son Merle Watson, uh, was was postponed from its late April date that it that it always is. It has been postponed until the third week of September. So um, uh, they'll you'll you'll see the the Merlefest. I guess that that's the weekend of the seventeenth, um, and and the 18th of September, and then you'll have um, um, then you'll have um, IBMA starting on the the 20 uh, the the week of the 27th of September. One of my ideal things that uh, was on my bucket list that I've never done and will never do would be to go to to something like Merrill Fest or the the Mayberry Days and to take up a trip up and down the Blue Ridge Parkway and, and, and include a football game at some place like Western Carolina, you know, with all the leaves, the trees, and everything. And That just would be a wonderful weekend, I think, uh, if you could do that. But anyway, well, I'm, I'm vamping a little bit now, Joe, in that we're coming up on the half-hour news here. We went, You and I went a little long on that first segment. Well, I was going to say that uh, if, we, if John says we get in trouble... Let's just uh, echo uh, Representative Lewis and make it good trouble. How about that, Tom? Okay. Well, we're going to have some good trouble, but what we're doing is slip sliding, uh, as I guess Paul Simon would say, into the break here. Uh, I'm going to make sure that I'm looking at the right clock. I've got two clocks, and one of them is 10 seconds off. But in any event, this is the Tom Kearney Show. Joe Newberry is our guest, and we're going to check the news, and we'll be back. 
934 WTTF, Tom Kearney, along with our very special guest tonight, Mr. Joe Newberry, who is uh, a musician, uh, pretty good banjo picker. I, I, I used to hear him, uh, when I didn't know him as well, along with uh, Garrison Keeler. Joe, uh, are you there? I am. You know, for years I would listen to the Writer's Almanac. I guess you know what that is. It's something yeah. that, that Keeler does every morning. It's about a three or four minutes. It's like a, who was born on this day, and he always reads a poem because he loves to read poetry. And, and when I broke my leg, I kind of got out of the habit, and recently I picked it up again, and I started listening to Lake Wobegon episodes again, too, and even even a, a one program that Joe Newberry was picking the banjo on. But anyway, something that I mentioned to you uh, earlier was, uh, and I don't in, in these these days when radio, the heyday of radio has been a long time, um, people don't realize the importance of radio to the music industry, and uh, they just they just seem to go along along together. And uh, radio is one of the things that kept country music. Uh, in fact, I think country music was tapped into as a source of getting a lot of listeners before pop music was. Uh, and, I mean, the Grand Ole Opry goes back to 1925. And recently I've been reading up on another radio station of the days of yore, WWVA in Wheeling, West Virginia, which, like WSM, the national the station that carried the Grand Ole Opry, was a, had a, what was it, the Saturday Night Music Hall or something like that? that every uh, Yes. And uh, I think a lot of people in along the coastal area, because that's where WWVA is aimed primarily, Listen to that station, and they had, uh, you know, regular acts, and, and I remember, uh, oh, I told you the woman's name, Wilma Lee and Stoney Cooper seemed to be the group that was the, the number one group there, but uh, P- Grandpa Jones, I think, went there a lot, and little Jimmy Dickens uh, were also uh, people who spent That's right. a fair amount. Well, all of those, all of those radio stars and, and, and early country stars, they would, they would um, go and they would, um, work a radio station for a while, and they would go and uh, do personal and local appearances, and then be on the back on the radio in the morning. And um, it was almost like how a farmer will farm a field until it's pretty much almost played out, and then let the field lay fallow, and and uh, or plant something else. And so, like Grandpa would would go and he'd play at all these places, and then. It would be time, and they were they were sort of like the nomads of the air. They would go and they would play someplace else, and often they would end up at WPTF. So the the Monroe brothers and the Stanley brothers and Mac Wiseman and all sorts of folks came through Raleigh to work um, and sing uh, on WPTF. I don't know who he was with, but you mentioned the king of of guitar pickers and uh, etc. <laughs> Chet Atkins. Uh, well, uh, for a long time, uh, he he was he was the guitarist. Uh, they called him Chester then, but he was the guitarist for Mother Maybell and her daughters. Uh, the and they when they were under the name, they they took the name the Carter family, uh, and so uh, 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 Chet would play guitar, sometimes fiddle, for them. But uh, well, you know, they 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 would show up at all you know radio stations all around the southeast. Well, Bob Royal, who was an engineer at WPTF for over 50 years, he started in 42. I know he started the year before I was born. He said that Chet used to uh, 
one is this was when they were downstairs. They really had spectacular studios in the in the insurance building down there on the mezzanine. It was just like the movie, the the, the radio stations you see pictured in Hollywood movies. You know, a lot more space than they really most of them really had. But Chet would would uh, play with whoever he was with the Carter family, and then he'd go over and eat a little breakfast at uh, somewhere, and he'd come back and he'd spend the rest of the day picking his guitar, you know, uh, rehearsing and everything, so that he learned to play it well. I saw a segment on YouTube that he and Mark Knopfler, who's the, the head daddy for the, who is it? Uh, uh, dire Straits. Dire Straits. They did the Walk, the Walk of Life, and they, they picked something good. And it was just, and I, I we were in Nashville one time, and when we went to the Grand Ole Opry, and we, I said to my wife, I, I hope Chet Atkins is there. I didn't really think he would be because it wasn't the right time of year. But they, they did announce somewhere that he was downtown at some jazz club picking with, with some jazz uh, person that night. And so uh, he, he just loved to have that guitar in his hands. And, uh, oh, yeah. Well, coming full circle, one of Garrison Keillor's heroes was Chet Atkins. And as a matter of fact, on the Prairie Home Productions truck, the truck that would take all the equipment around, um, through, uh, you know, to uh, uh, remote broadcasts, the truck had Chet's name and birth and death date on, painted on the side of the truck. When I read an article, you know, uh, Garrison was, was was a writer, too, and he, I think he was in The New Yorker. Uh, he yeah. went to New York one time, according to another article I read, and he was the one at the, at the cocktail party sitting over on the end of the couch looking grumpy. It, it was not his place. He, need, he did not need to be in New York. But anyway, he went to Nashville and ended up talking, going out to dinner with and spending some time with Chet and Archie Campbell. And that's where he sort of got the idea for Prairie Home Companion because it was a little bit like the stations that you know, played to farmers, the variety shows, WLS, WSM, and so on. Yeah, that's exactly how he built that show. And, uh, you know, he went to Nashville um, on assignment for The New Yorker. And so um, he wrote that article in 74 and then started um, what became Prairie Home Companion in July of 1974. I had the honor a few years ago to go and play for the 40th anniversary broadcast and a concert. They had a, a whole weekend there in, in uh, St. Paul um, uh, uh, around the 40th anniversary. But, but you know... Uh, the Grand Ole Opry, the the uh, the Wheeling, West Virginia, the the Chicago Barn Dance, um, uh, the Louisiana Hayride, all of them had a similar formula with sponsors and skits, country comedians, the uh, the the older players playing like the Grandpa Jones folks that that played the old style or even before Grandpa was Uncle Dave Macon. And then the rising country stars. So Elvis Presley was on the Louisiana Hayride. I know Buddy Holly lived in Lubbock, Texas. I'm a big Buddy Holly fan. And he listened to the Louisiana Hayride. That's where he got his infusion of uh, of country music. Uh, and he started out playing you know, country. You you mentioned that that uh, when we were young, and you know you're a bit older than me, but but we we both did a lot of listening. And you could hear um, so much variety in the music being made. And there's a great story um, during the Reagan years. Um, uh, Frank Sinatra 
and Bill Monroe were both being honored at a, a, a breakfast. And Frank Sinatra went up to Bill Monroe and he said, Mr. Monroe, I just wanted to say thank you and I admire your music. I listened to the Grand Ole Opry uh, uh, a lot and he named, he went on to name a bunch of the stars and, and specific songs. He really was a fan. And then um, Bill Monroe looked at Frank Sinatra and said, well, thank you very much. And, and what do you do? <laughs> and Frank Sinatra said, uh, I'm a singer. And, and then Bill Monroe got a little smile and he said, I believe I may have heard of you. <laughs> well, the thing that one needs to know about Bill Monroe that I've discovered is that he, he, uh, he well, we, the story that you and I know to, to begin it all is that he and his brother used to do an act together and they broke up and they broke up in Raleigh. Uh, in fact, yes, uh, it is. The story I heard is that one of them, I can't remember which, went, went home. They had a, rented a house or something out on Garner Road between Raleigh and Garner. And one of them went home and the other one was there with the U-Haul fixing to leave because he just wasn't going to do it anymore. And uh, I guess it was Charlie that was going to leave. I don't know. But anyway, uh, that's that's how they, they broke up. And uh, and there are, uh, I've been watching a lot of YouTube things about those, those get-togethers of old-time Opry stars and everything. And they have one that's devoted to telling stories about uh, uh, the, uh, uh, again, what's his name? I'm losing my mind. I, oh, uh, you mean, are you talking about the, uh, like, the Gaither thing of Bill Monroe, uh, the telling Bill Monroe stories? Yeah, he is. around and telling the, telling right. the Bill Monroe stories. There's a, there's a great one that somebody told where um, um, uh, they, somebody came up to Monroe and they said, um, I want you to sing that song, Christmas Time's a Coming. Uh, that's a that's a great song. You know, Jimmy Martin. Jimmy Martin sings that Christmas Time's a Coming. Bill Monroe says, Jimmy Martin doesn't even believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> well, I, one of the stories they told was that the, whoever it was, it was two or three of them had been traveling in the same car, and they came down the road, and Bill Monroe said, stop me. He got out, and he went in his house, and they stayed in there about 10 minutes, and then he came back out of Paris where his brother lived, and they had a fight while he was in there. And every time they would go by, he would stop and go in, and they'd fight a little bit, and then he'd come back out and, right. and get they, back in the car. They just couldn't get along. That's right. Uh, well, Minnie Pearl used to used to talk about that, where she'd, she'd be riding along, and Bill said, uh, Miss Minnie, I need to stop in here for a second. And, uh, and it was Charlie's house. And he'd bang on the door and he'd say, Charlie, you get out here. And then Charlie would come charging out and they'd, they'd do fisticuffs for about 10 minutes and then they'd dust themselves off, shake hands, and <laughs> Charlie'd well, back inside the house. You just named somebody that was, is, the two things that you that I thought of that I wanted to remark on, I can't keep up here, but, but uh, when the first time I went to Nashville, Mrs. Kearney and I came back to Raleigh and somebody said, well, how did you do? Did you see anything? And I said, well, a friend of ours, arranged we had a, a, a friend who was going to vanderbilt and she'd arranged for us to go to the grand Ole opry where we saw bill monroe by the way and uh, to take one of those bus tours you know the and uh, around town and it was uh, we saw where the uh, governor of tennessee lived is what i told everybody but only because he lived next door to Minnie pearl so. <laughs> <laughs> she was a she was a great lady sarah ophelia collie cannon and when she looked after everybody there, the other thing is, 
is that every, every once in a while, if you're into this kind of music, you should play the Wildwood Flower because it's kind of like the, the master hymn of country music, I think. Wouldn't you agree to that? I would agree. Uh, it's one of the first songs that, that any picker tries to learn when they're, when they're uh, starting to play guitar. It's uh, I've I've been really enjoying this during the uh, during the at home time. I've been doing what they call the Carter scratch, and that is where you take a thumb pick and your finger and you you do a melody note with the thumb pick and then you strum down and up. And it's what Mother Maybell used to combine rhythm and melody in one in one guitar style. And uh, and and the Walwood Flower is one of the those songs that it is uh, it's iconic. And if you don't know it and you play this kind of music, you need to learn it. You need to learn it. Well, maybe John can find a little copy of it while we're taking this break. So are you enjoying this as much as I am? I hope you are. Don't answer that if you're I'm not having, enjoying it. I'm having a ball, Tom. I always love visiting, and, and uh, I, I just uh, I, I enjoyed, enjoyed uh, knowing that your audience is, is getting a chance to hear two old friends visiting and talking about stuff that they, they really love. And, and some names like Joan Baez that may be disappearing in the world, uh, but uh, uh, not completely. Uh, and uh, the, as I said, they, uh, they, uh, uh, Mary Chapin Carpenter and Emily Harris, one of the songs they sang was We Shall Overcome. They, and, it, and they showed a, a clip of her at the, uh, at the speech uh, that Martin Luther King gave in Washington in August of 1963, I believe is, is the right day for that. Yes. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back to close out our show with Joe Newberry on WPTF. Okay, John, you can fade that out on us, bring Mr. Newberry back in. Joe, we've got about three or four minutes. Is that Johnny Cash's mother-in-law or is his mother-in-law's sister? I can never keep the relationship. That was Johnny Cash's mother-in-law. Maybell had uh, three uh, daughters. June, Anita, and Helen, and of course June was June Carter Cash, um, and uh, uh, Maybell's guitar playing was uh, an influence on every guitarist who came after her, um, and uh, in including uh, Chet Atkins, but but also uh, Earl Scruggs. When Earl Scruggs would would play the guitar, he played in the Carter the Carter Scratch style, and. Uh, um, actually, that clip that John was playing was from one of the Flattened Scruggs um, television shows, and it was always so great when you when you looked at those shows. You can find them on YouTube. But to watch Flattened Scruggs act like schoolboys around Maybell because she was Maybell Carter, <laughs> and her sister usually played zither uh, or uh, whatever uh, auto uh, the accordion the the accordion. June would play the auto harp, uh, okay. um, but uh, Helen would play the accordion. They were actually, they were a great sounding band um, and beautiful harmony singing. And then there was Maybell just plugging along with that guitar, with that big old strong strumming hand. It's uh, amazing music. One of the, uh, the, they were among the people that Ralph Peer recorded uh, I think 1927 in Bristol, Tennessee, that sort of opened up uh, uh, the, the the market to a lot of well, the the people that he recorded had collected a lot of songs, like the the movie I told you I enjoyed watching called The Song Catcher. There was a lot Song of Catcher. That's right. 
lot of a lot of music out there in the Appalachians, and uh, uh, and some of it had come from Ireland, and some of it had come from Scotland and Great Britain. So there, there's a connection there too. Uh, but anyway, uh, June got to play the comic. She's the one with the black blacked out teeth because she was the youngest and and could be kind of goofy looking if, if when she uh, uh, when she had to be, but. Uh, I heard. I, I can't remember. I heard some story about her and and and, and wanting to buy a fur coat and so on. And, and I think John finally finally bought it. But that's definitely a country music royalty there. And and uh, oh, absolutely. You know. And then Johnny's daughter, uh, Roseanne Cash, who was uh, John, when Johnny was married to his wife Vivian, uh, they had daughters. And Roseanne Cash was the oldest. And she's uh, she's a music. Uh, she's a music powerhouse in her own right, as is Johnny Cash's and June Carter Cash's son, John Carter Cash. He's uh, doing some great um, music production uh, there in, in Nashville. He's uh, He's got a studio and is, is making some really, really good music. Well, and we we need to close right here, but I know that John Cash gave uh, Rosanna, what, 100 songs that she had to be able to perform if she was going to be a country music star. Thank you for being uh, on with us tonight, Joe. Joe and uh, thank you uh, for having me, Tom, and, and always enjoy being on WPTF with you. Okay, thank you, and I'm going to uh, to maybe give you a call here in a couple of minutes off the air. But thank you for that. Uh, tomorrow night on the Tom Kearney Show, we're going to do a little nostalgia, and we're going to talk about dates that you remember, like the day that. Uh, well, I had a vision of the day that Robert Kennedy was assassinated, or actually the night. And I'll tell you that story if you're with us tomorrow night.